Coming up with the reporting heating up around one DeJounte Murray potentially moving on from the Atlanta Hawks, we dive in on if Brooklyn should be a suitor, what the price point would be, and what it would mean for the short and long-term future of the Brooklyn Nets. We dive in coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there is Doug Norrie. I'm Adam Marbeck. We thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. We are 100% free on all those great platforms. And let you know, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can get 150 bucks in bonus bets, guaranteed, when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. And where we get started, Doug, is exactly where every team that's basically losing every game they play in finds themselves right now, thinking about being buyers at the trade deadline. <laughs> it's uh, we're heating up on trade season, and we knew the Nets were going to be uh, in these discussions, whether, you know, sort of coming or going. It's a little hard to tell where they are. They've been rumored to, you know, wanting to be big game hunting when it comes to stars. There's also the idea that they could sell off some of the veterans here at the trade deadline. Uh, there are a lot of question marks around the Nets. And one of the guys, and I and I think they'll be brought up in most discussions whenever someone like from another team of any talent and age on the younger side shakes loose, but they are because being the assets for so many different reasons. The Nets are in those discussion points. Yeah. And they just need they need to upgrade their talent, right? No matter right. what. So um, so I think you'll hear them in and around all these discussions. And then, you know, DeJounte Murray is rumored to be possibly on the move from Atlanta. And multiple sources have been, or multiple, you know, just different uh, personalities and informed people have been mentioning DeJounte Murray when, or mentioning the Nets when it comes to DeJounte Murray. Jake Fisher from Yahoo mentioned it, uh, saying that there was no real traction, but that it just made a lot of sense. And then Brian Windhorst, who's, you know, as dialed in as it gets, mentioned to keep an eye on the Nets in a recent podcast uh, interview as well. So I don't know if we're saying things are heating up on the DeJounte Murray front, but clearly if he is put on the market you have to assume the nets are going to at least be part of the discussions and we could talk about what that would would mean if they were to try to land him yeah i i think just from a high level standpoint murray right age range if we're talking about the you know mikhail bridges cameron johnson core of this team and that may frustrate uh, nets fans <laughs> to a certain degree about that being what they want to do going forward but if you think about it, he fits the timeline, the contract is nothing where, where you'd be too concerned about it in the short or long term, whether or not it fit in and it helped the Nets win more basketball games. And they thought there's something to be said here for the future with this core or looking at his contract and knowing that going all the way, even though it's a player option in 2027, 31 and a half million, the numbers are not bad. So you can plug him in here and you can also look at him from a fit standpoint and say, hey, we have a little bit more of a opportunity to set ourselves up from a ball handling standpoint. Think about him more in a San Antonio Spurs kind of stat line than we think about him in Atlanta. And it'd be an opportunity potentially, as we'll discuss, to maybe move off of some pieces that the Nets currently have that aren't going to hold value beyond this year as well. Yeah, and like from the Hawks' perspective, when it comes to Murray, they've clearly seen, you know, they tried the Murray plus Trey thing. It's just not really working. Um, they it seems like they want the like, Trey is the person they're going to keep at this point. I think that makes sense. Like, he's just better, and so um, you know, moving on from Murray it makes sense from their standpoint. But it's not 
even necessarily like a knock on DeJounte Murray that they would be moving on from him. It's more like an admission that we tried this, you know, dual guard thing. We thought you were going to juice, give a little more juice in the defense of them, maybe more off ball stuff. And like the pairing of those two guys hasn't really flourished at all. Like the, the DeJounte plus Trey is a negative 3.6 net rating. Trey without DeJounte is a plus 2.3. DeJounte without Trey is a minus 1.3. Uh, so it's basically Murray plus Trey bad. Trey, no Murray, good. Murray, no Trey, bad. But some of that could be an extension of just like the rest of the roster not really having enough juice either. So it's, I mean, where do you stand with this when it comes to Jante Murray? Like when you hear this, I, and with the with the caveat, it's all about what you give up, right? <laughs> like this always, yeah, I, we always have to start a situation like that. It's like, yeah, I, I would take, you know, Jokic right now. Oh, yeah. right, never mind. I give up anything. That's a bad example. <laughs> I would take like, like I would take, you know, some middling NBA player if he meant giving up nothing, right? right. So there's always, and then, you know, then as you rise up along the star level, you have to think about where, how much you want to throw out there. But when it comes to Murray, maybe just like all things being equal, does that like, does it make sense for you to think about adding him to this team? Uh, yeah, on a surface level of the player that he is, the skill set and what the Nets need, yes. like I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Now, you, again, if you look at him in Atlanta, it's a little bit of a different style of player, obviously playing alongside a trade. But if you plugged him in to Brooklyn and you think back to when his assist numbers are up over six and seven going back to his San Antonio days, you need a facilitator. You need a guy on ball. Like we, We've kind of seen what Dennis Smith Jr. has meant to Brooklyn when he's got expanded minutes here and how it's helped create a little bit of more balance inside of those units. Now, the, the problem probably at a high level is going to be, before we can talk cost and everything else, is what does it mean from a needle-moving standpoint? Because th this then gets into the category of, yes, he's a good player. He's better than what you currently have. But does he dramatically change the outlook? If this is the step one of a multi-step process, whether this year or going forward, then I can start to wrap my head around it. But I just don't know if it makes sense for the Brooklyn Nets to start looking at their assets and saying, we're going to make this decision in this moment because the make the playoffs in 2023, 2024 is going violently off the rails and we want to save that. And I, I'm having a hard time deciphering whether or not that would be the reason the Nets make this move versus a high level we believe this is going to push us in the direction of being a real playoff team and being an exciting team to watch over the coming seasons. So I, that, that's, that's right. I know it's a little bit muddled, but it's hard for me to kind of pick a hard direction here because it would feel like, yeah, he's a player. And maybe I'll, I'll say this, maybe he ends up falling kind of into the Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Johnson category, really good player still needs superstars ahead of him. If you want to accomplish something at the NBA playoff level. Yeah, that's a really good point. And actually, I think that might be the 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 thing that the Nets are thinking about the most is like thinking about, you know, do we is it good enough to have a bunch of guys along the same timeline or is it good enough to sort of just, you know, get really uncomfortable here and just wait all the way for like the real true superstar? I have a couple of thoughts on that. We'll get into those here in a second. First, going to tell you about our friends over at eBay Motors. Passion, drive, patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. Over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your parts guaranteed to fit your ride every time. 
or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items apply. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. All right, so as we continue, the the budding rumors heading towards the deadline, which we know are always going to happen, and whether or not the Brooklyn Nets could be a team in play here. By the way, I, I do want to ask you about that question on, on where these guys, a guy like Murray fits in with the Bridges and the Johnson of the world. But just as a note, kind of the reason why the Nets are bubbling into this is because a lot of the original reporting is about conversations between the Lakers and the Hawks and saying Murray's on the table here but they don't have the assets, right? This comes back to how Brooklyn just has all of these picks and maybe some valuable players. So it's always going to, as you said at the top, be a conversation that they can be in on almost anybody if they want to. Do you think that Murray is just one of those dudes that doesn't necessarily move the needle for Brooklyn? Yeah, look, he's like a very good NBA player, right? Like, and the contract, I think you have to say the contract is an advantageous one with the cap going up and, and you sort of like with where things are stand right now with the term, like, you know, 27, excuse me, uh, 18 this year, 25, 27, 29, and then that player option, which I don't know, that's like probably close about whether he option, opts into that. The contract is right around the same timeline as Cameron Johnson. It's a year more than Mikhail Bridges. They're all generally ish the same age right like there's a lot of overlap in terms of like why you'd want to have a guy like him with that group if you were just trying to like do some floor raising floor raising team building right yeah. like championship level stuff definitely not winning you know, losing every game like they're losing right now yeah that they, that would no longer be the case you know pair maybe next to cam thomas maybe have some of the same Trey Young and and you know Dejounte defensive issues that like they've that uh, Atlanta's had, so I don't know if that totally solves that. But in terms of like having a you know a well above average ball handler, offensive initiator, a guy that with that Spurs team, I think actually think that Spurs team overachieved a little bit. It was like Derek White, it was Jakob Pertl. Like they didn't have an amazing record, but they didn't have tons of talent either. And so I think, but going back to your original point of. Would we just be putting another above average, you know, top 60 dude, top 50 guy or something like that on a team? Almost for sure. And I just don't know. This is such a close call for me. And the thing that really starts to make you feel different about this is losing. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. like yep. I, I, I'm, I'm dead serious, right? It's like I know everyone out there is probably thinking the same thing. It's like losing even on, as a, on a fan level really starts to make you look different about these things when you're winning and you're kind of overachieving and it's like, now nah, we'll wait, bide our time. Good team. You lose a gajillion games in a row. And all of a sudden you're like, I don't know. Do we need the Phoenix picks? Wouldn't mind seeing a W and I'm not saying yeah. they should do that, but this, <laughs> is, but, but this is, it really does start to change your thought process a little bit around it. And Murray, I think from that perspective makes sense. And I don't know if I'm just, a little too prisoner of the moment with that. No, and I, I, that's, I wonder if that's how Sean Marks and the Nets organization looks at it, right? Like, yes. I hope it, not. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, you know, down the road, we certainly we certainly think that those picks will mean something from Phoenix and, you know, or the Dallas ones eventually. But we also thought we would be playing competitive 500-ish basketball. So, you know, if, if you're selling the product, that was kind of, that was one of the cornerstones of what they were doing in the short term, right? We're going to be competitive. We're going to make the playoffs. All right, we're not going to win playoff series, but at least we'll be able to hang our hat on that year over year for the next two or three seasons until that big moment comes. 
Now you're looking at it and going, oh, we're bad. Like we're, we're a bad basketball team. Okay. You can fire Jock Vaughn. You know, that's been obviously the running theme. Okay. You can say that Cameron Johnson is not the player you thought he was going to be great. It's still what you have right now. And the thing that maybe indicates that the Nets do think that, which I think would be a mistake that, oh no, we, we still are this team. That's why we're going to go make this move has to do with the fact that a guy like Dorian Finney-Smith, as reported by Andy Katz from The Athletic, updating what the narrative was in the offseason coming to the start of the season, they still want the equivalent of two first-round picks for him. When you set that type of price point as your team is trending in the wrong direction simultaneously, it sends a message to me of a team that still wants to accomplish the narrative goals that they set for themselves at the start of the year, making the playoffs and being competitive. And why is that concerning? The team in the Atlanta Hawks that are talking about trading one of their talented players are far better than you right now, right? Like, so there, there's an issue here when you just look at the standings and go, we are not one of the good teams. We're not one of the teams that's a player away from being a good team. And so you may just end up kind of selling low on a lot of your draft capital to make a margin move that doesn't really do much for you in the, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And, and this is why this is going to be fascinating too, because right, like when you know, when you compare them specifically to the Hawks, like they are like right in the kind of in lockstep in the standings right now. Right. With, and I don't know if like the Hawks are necessarily headed in the right direction, but we know that the nets are headed in the wrong direction. Right. right. And if you had to make a bet on one of these two teams, just like over the course of the rest of the season, you like have to bet the Hawks, right? They're both 16 and 23. They both have like right around negative two point differentials. The right. You know what I mean? Like, but if you just, if you just on their face, looked at the two teams, like you'd have to, you just have to pick Atlanta. And so it just ends up in, it's just like this really just weird spot. And if it sounds like I'm waffling a little bit, it's because I kind of am like, this isn't a clear cut decision for me. And I think if you're out there saying it's so clear cut to you one way or the other, I actually just don't know how that can be the case. Right. And, and, and up to this point too, we haven't, we haven't really talked about what, pr like what price would be worth it. Right. Like, you know, you mentioned, and I actually think the Dorian Finney Smith thing is instructive about trade deadline kind of machinations and, and people teams view of their own work of their players worth. Right. Right. If the nets are in a situation where they're like, probably way overvaluing Dorian Finney-Smith, like two first round picks. I don't think that's ever happening. All right. I don't think I just can't, I think he's played well. I just like can't vision a world where some team is ditching to even like late first on Dorian Finney-Smith. Yeah. Right. Um, but if they are holding a firm line of, if they're holding a firm line on DFS in terms of like shipping him out. I do think they'll probably keep a really low line on a guy like this, right? Like it's where it's, it wouldn't be anything franchise altering. And if it can be had, they would do it. But then maybe the Hawks who maybe have some buyer's remorse on the three first that they gave for DeJounte and, and you know, at the time that maybe they view it differently. And that's like where they never end up meeting. And that's sometimes just what happens with these things. But I, I think I, I have to believe the Nets where Marks has like been in the past pretty good about this, about like star hunting. And maybe it got a, has gotten a little away from him after the the Katie Kyrie Harden thing. And, you know, you give Cam Johnson a long extension and you're tied to Bridges who might have a ceiling. Yeah, I just don't know. Like, I don't know where their thought process is, but I can't I do. I do firmly believe that they wouldn't like empty empty all the coffers for a guy like Murray. I, I just don't think that's like how they're built. I hope, I, but they're probably, but there is a price, right. That like, we probably would say yes to, you would think.
Oh yeah, and so it's 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 so two things there on on the Sean Marks piece of it. You hope that he's informed by the experiences with the superstars, right? Hey, it's always worth it to go into those opportunities to look at them. But looking at Houston now, where once upon a time we said, oh, the one spot I would trade McHale is to Houston for our picks back. Guess what? Houston's refusing every single phone call. They're watching those things climb to lottery value as the Nets move forward here. So you hope that he he has kind of pulled the reins back in. And Murray is not on the level of a Kevin Durant, a Kyrie Irving, a James Harden, right? So that's one part of it. The other weird part is the value that they're placing on a Dorian Finney-Smith. So you walk into a conversation with Atlanta. Well, if Atlanta is hearing Sean Marks indicate that they want the equivalent of two first-round picks for Dorian Finney-Smith, Atlanta's turning around saying, so then how, how, where do you value Jajante Murray? Because he's clearly right, a better right. player. He's a better player than, than Dorian Finney-Smith, right? So you're doing this both and here. The interesting thing to me is when you look inside of this, right? So from a cost perspective, the salary lining up, hey, fans, you don't want uh, uh, Spencer Dimmy on this roster anymore? Great, $20 million, boom. And it's an aspiring contract, so that could be attractive to Atlanta. It's also a backcourt off-ball guard with some ball-handling ability, you know, whatever. You want to take a flyer on him in the short term. I know, hey, sell my sell the things that we don't like for all the good stuff you got, right? Classic, Classic sales tactic. But you can do that part of it. Then if you come to picks, you mentioned three first that they gave up to get them. If you're telling me that, that the Nets could massage this into, do you have an interest in a Dorian Finney-Smith in the short term? Because if you're Atlanta, are you looking to restructure, not necessarily go into a rebuild? You're keeping Trey Young, Royce O'Neal, right? Other players, they, they want to move off of Atlanta, the Clinton, Clint Capella contract. Do you have an interest in a Nick Claxton? Do you want to, you know, do you want to explore that version of your team? So there's worlds where I think Sean Marks and the Nets could say, here's the guys that we don't believe are going to be here long-term for various reasons, but they have value to other teams. Maybe we can package something together that avoids giving up a lot of draft capital, the thing we want to keep, and still serves the agenda of making moves. I, I That still stands to be seen. And the hard part about this is, you would think if the Nets want to trade for Murray, they don't want to trade Dorian Finney-Smith. They want to keep him here in the short term. They want to keep Royce O'Neal in the short term. So you're always trying to serve these two agendas. If you move on from even a Nicholas Claxton, okay, how is this team better in the short term then if you open up another hole there at the five spot where it's going to be Dayron Sharp when he's back healthy and nobody else? Like So th this is the, the agenda serving that I don't think is going to be easy for the Brooklyn Nets to accomplish and Sean Marks, but we'll talk about it. Is this a move that if the Nets made it would serve to recognize as the first of multiple they would make at this deadline? We'll dive in on that angle coming up next. All right. This show is sponsored by better help. It's past new years. We're getting obsessed with how to change ourselves, but something you want to probably focus a little more on is ex expand on what you already do. Right. Maybe you're organized one space. You want to just tackle another. Maybe you're taking supplements in the morning. Now you want to actually eat breakfast too. You want to find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions that make those changes really stick. This is where better help can get into the fold. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. If you've benefited from therapy in the past, this is you you know exactly what you're looking for here. If you haven't tried therapy before, this is how the betterment starts with BetterHelp. They're, it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient. It's flexible. It's totally suited to your schedule. All you have to do is you fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a licensed therapist. You switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnMBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on MBA. Once again, BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on MBA.
And when you're done doing that, you go ahead and head over to FanDuel. You know, obviously, the NFL regular season is all wrapped up, but there's still plenty of time to get in on the playoff action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is incredibly easy to use, and there's so many different ways to bet. Not only live same-game parlays, you can also find bets in the new Explore tab and make parlays in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find where all those popular bets are getting laid. So many ways to get it done over on FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel is the official betting partner of the NFL. Okay, so the other thing here for me then, when we talk about the potential of making a move like this for Brooklyn, let's just, let's assume that players and a couple of picks, right? Let's say that, that that's how it gets to. If it's two first round picks and some version of players, Point stop. Are you making that move if it costs two first round picks? Your dealer's choice about where they fall on the spectrum of Phoenix and Dallas and Philly and everything else. Two first? No, nah, I don't think. So. I don't think so. I right. think you have to try. I think you have to try to sit with these as long as possible. And this is recognizing that I do think he would help the team, and it might be a chance to get off, you know, or like you know, trade Dinwiddie or something like that, where his value seems to be, you know, kind of petering out here or whatever i fully recognize that it would help the team right now i just don't think this is the guy if that's the price um that, do you agree with that or is that like reasonable yeah. it's it, it's closer than i thought again this like losing streak got me a little bit uh has me wilding a little bit because i <laughs> you're right it's got me thinking maybe you should trade for anybody and everybody maybe pascal yeah. siakam's 37 and a half million for the remainder of the season is not I definitely, okay that's you see that one's a clear no this one's yeah. like he's probably just young enough and he's just kind of what they need and i also think that's the price is too high yeah because again you know i i know it's hard to to look at it this way if you're a fan but okay two first round picks well two years from now will it have felt like it was worth it when you don't have those two picks because there's yeah. a world where even adding Murray does not change the fact that you're a back-end Eastern Conference play-in tournament team looking to be interesting, but not necessarily exciting in terms of wins or losses. Now, let's go, let's go another layer here. What if it was that the Brooklyn Nets don't intend to re-sign Nicholas Claxton? Not about oh, whether yeah. we think yeah. they should or shouldn't, but if I can send Nicholas Claxton and Spencer Dinwiddie and one first-round pick for Murray, I do start to have a different conversation if it's that we know we're not bringing this guy back. So these are effectively depreciating assets in another three months. Yeah. So I understand that one too. And actually signing Murray, I think it was Eric Slater. And I apologize for this because I don't exactly remember, but I'm pretty sure friends of the show, Eric Slater said, had said, had broken down. If they brought in Murray, it would probably really decrease slash eliminate the chance to, to be able to resign Claxton at any money right, with right. like Simmons's contract still there and stay out of the tax. So it's like, you probably are in a situation where you, if you were to bring Murray in, you are admitting that Claxton might not be part of like the long-term future here. Or you're not going to resign him. That being said, I think the price on Claxton would be higher than that. And I would not want to just like ship something out to like picks out plus Claxton to bring in Murray too. Right. So I don't think like that calculus works for me either, but making a deal structured around those things and getting more back from Atlanta or something like that, like yeah. Capella expiring plus, Maybe Atlanta ship ship something. I don't know. Like I think that starts to get a little more interesting for me. I haven't really fully fleshed that one out, but I do. I would. I would not be of the like essentially like Claxton for Murray straight up deal, right? Like 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 if that. And I think that's like probably it's not the the money doesn't work, but you know what I mean. Like they would be able to 
finagle that. I think I, that I would also not be interested. Although that one is a little closer too with how well Sharp has played. So I'm yeah. not, it's close. Yeah, there's some conversation around as I do these things on the fly sometimes. You know me, a little trade machine action. You mentioned, you know, Clint Capella has two years left right now in his deal, but there's that's the rumors there with Atlanta as well. Maybe it's a pass-through and he ends up somewhere else. But Clint Capella and Murray coming and Spencer Dinwiddie, Claxton, and Royce O'Neal going, it, it makes Atlanta a better team this year, right? So maybe you get maybe that's what the Nets in any of these scenarios, for Murray or otherwise, are trying to drill down on, right? What are the conversations we have here? Well, we do have valuable players. We have Dorian Finney-Smith. We have Royce O'Neal, Spencer Dimley to, to a lesser extent. But we do have players that make sense for other teams or that can be contributors, that can help you win games in the short term, and they try to mitigate the requirement to add in these draft picks so they still keep the powder dry, and also make a move that shows an indication, hey, we realize what we are right now is not going to be the answer over the next couple of seasons. Yeah, and that's and and I think the Nets are like that's the Claxton piece for sure makes this an interesting because we have no idea what the internal dialogue on Claxton is, right? Like it's like impossible to know. They're and Marks and company are usually pretty locked down around this stuff. You you tend not to hear too much until it happens with the Nets. Like uh, you know, like short of like guys publicly asking out, right? The other stuff that's happened. They're they're pretty much a vault over there, but so it's it is kind of impossible to know how they view Claxton and how they view the money and like sort of what's re-signing him would mean for their future prospects of signing someone like signing like a really big star once Simmons is off the books, mm-hmm. um, and so I think actually that as much as anything will probably inform some of these other moves of the trade deadline too, right? Because if they don't plan to resign, they have to trade him, right? Like they just yeah. have to, you got to trade him for something now. And I don't even know if a sign and trade is good enough in a situation, mm-hmm. in a situation like that. Um, But we just have like no idea. So would it shock me that Claxton gets attached to some kind of deal like this at the deadline? That really wouldn't shock me at all. Not because there's been any reporting on it, but because it kind of seems on a, in, there's like a lot, there's a very logical case to be made for it more than anything else. And so, and I think like I, that, that as much as anything else could like shift the, the, the fortunes of the Nets here, the trade deadline. It's like how they view that one specific situation. If it's sign, if they know they're going to sign them, then I think that like, well, I, I just think that like that just changes, it just changes like sort of the way things can kind of shake out. Well, yeah, as you say, right, if if they're keeping Claxton long term, well, then trades are about draft capital because, you know, beyond Dorian yes. Smith or Royce. So, OK, that's going to at least for us here at Locked On Nets, we're going to say that changes my my willingness or interest in trading for a guy like Murray. If you're telling me he's not going to be here long term, then he's an asset that you can utilize in these moves. The, the last thing for me, then, on this, when you say making a move potentially for a guy like Murray, are you comfortable with the idea of let's say that it is? any iteration of this where, where we, we find it palatable, the package that goes out, picks, players, whatever, where it's, okay, we're making this decision now so that we can inform what we are going into the offseason, right? A guy like Murray helps us. He adds into the core. We have now Dennis Smith Jr. Will he be here beyond this year? Where does Cam Thomas fit into all of this? All of those pieces. Are you comfortable making them just that one move and saying, okay, now play out the rest of the season, which still could result in missing the playoffs? Or do you feel like this would be Nets make this move and then they are talking about their assets and they are talking about other guys on the market and knowing that they do need to add another piece beyond just Murray if they want to say we're going to be a ninth seed and eighth seed if we're going to make the playoffs for that symbolic thing that they've been able to accomplish in years past. Yeah, so I guess what you're saying is like a move like that would be something like, I'm totally making this up, but it would be something like 
you bring in Murray with the price low, and then you unload your rest of your stuff for like Lori Markinen, right? right? Something like that. Like, right? It's like, oh, you know, it's like younger. Maybe the I mean, the Jazz have been kind of good, so I don't really know if they're right, they're probably trade using. Him, but, but here's the um, twenty-seven to twenty-nine but, core. Yeah, I'm just using him as an example of a guy where if like Utah is trying to reset the deck even more and. And they're like, you know, really going to strip it all down. And he doesn't totally fit their timeline. Uh, like, you know, something like a move like that. Like, that would be interesting. It's not a championship caliber thing, but it's like a, that's a, that's a pretty good team, exciting team to watch for four years or something mm-hmm. like that. Right. And, you know, they, it's a, it's a low level playoff team. And I don't know. Is that like the right move? Probably not. But I think like that is like a, that's like sort of like the, 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 the tenor of move I think that you're talking about. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's where it's like that would take real pieces, like that would take the Phoenix picks or something like yes. that to like to to actually get. And if you could do one thing for cheap and then spend a lot on the other thing, and you're all kind of on the same timeline, it's like, hey, we'll be decent for three years. We're not going to win a championship, and then Simmons will be off the book and whatever. Like again, m- making this completely up on the fly. Right. But a, a move like that, I think I'd be okay with that. At some point, you have to like be excited. When you don't have your own picks, you do have to try to like be exciting too. Like you can't have neither. <laughs> you can't. You can't be tanking for no reason. Winning. And we're not fun to watch. Yeah, like I look. I look. We only got X amount of days on this earth, right? Like, <laughs> like this isn't. We're not. Uh, we're not on the unlimited timeline here. I, like, I got a. I got a, a little patience in me, but I don't have unlimited patience because none of us do. So I think like that. That would be. That kind of idea would be interesting to me for sure. And because that agenda is about uh, this, is my final thought is that agenda gets you beyond the picks that you that you traded away to Houston, right? It gets you back to the yes. point where now I'm back in control of my own assets. We dictate our own terms here, and in the meantime, we made the calculated choice. We want to be a team that was over 500 for the next few seasons. We want to be a team that goes to the playoffs, and that, and that is exciting to watch and can be kind of oh, what a fun series we'll have in the first round. Right now, you don't look at that prospect, even if this team did turn it around and think they would be any type of interesting in a one versus eight series in the Eastern Conference. So I, I think that does matter a little bit here for Brooklyn. And so if you made the move for me for Murray, then it has to be step one of a multi-step plan in the short term. And I we keep saying this is our final point. And this really will be my final point. Moves I'll like one that, move. where it's like yeah. two moves around not superstar level guys, but a, you know, well above average guys, mm-hmm. would also probably give you the latitude to move on from Jacques Vaughn too. Because right now they really can't move. In my mind, they can't move on from Vaughn or won't move on from Vaughn because whoever the next person is is set up for like to go nowhere. Also, like they can right. maybe get a little moderately better. But they're not going to get light years better with this current roster. But if you had a if you had a re, a, a reset with players, I think it would give you it, you would you would then open the door to be able to be like giving the next person the chance to succeed because that's really what you need to be able to do. If you were thinking about moving on from Vaughn again, you can't do it right now. There's no point. There's literally no point. Like the next right. coach will look only probably slightly better, right? Yeah. And so just because they don't have enough power, firepower on the team. Okay, a lot of thoughts here. This one went a little bit uh, further than we thought it was going to, but it's cool. This is like why the trade deadline and leading up to it, yeah, less than, a, less than a month away, three weeks away. It's always such an exciting time. Make sure you are subscribed to Locked On Nets over on YouTube as we push towards 7,000 subscribers. Make sure you uh, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts as well. Leave a five-star review. That kind of stuff still helps in this day and age. Free for you, really pays off for us. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Forgiveness is the needle that knows how to mend. That's Jewel. Oh, one of the all-time great Alaskan poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.